Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people could go to when they need inspiration, motivation, or just tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to bring you information on a variety of topics ranging from nutrition, holistic health, coaching, yoga, meditation, and just overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best yoga teachers, life coaches, health and wellness experts, along with some of my closest friends. We will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and careers and how they continue to work to make that happen. Thanks for listening. And today, we're talking to Jess Schmidt. Jess is a yoga teacher. She graduated from Harvard Business School, and she is the creator of the Executive Sutra. This is an incredible program that brings yoga tools and philosophies to business leaders to find more fulfillment. She coaches her students, and she coaches her clients to become powerful leaders, to lead with their heart, and to envision their careers in a new way. She teaches simple exercises that you can do at work to maintain a healthy balance between career in the midst of the hustle and bustle of your life. Here's a conversation we have about this incredible program and all the incredible work that she's doing in the world. So for me, I'm just, I love to, to be able to see your dreams come to fruition. I mean, I saw when you were drafting this whole idea, you know, yeah, and you presented it. Do you remember? I was like, and then now to see it like alive, to, to see it become this amazing program. It's just like, I am so, so in awe and inspired and I'm so proud of you. It's so great. Wow, thank you. I'm like getting teary-eyed. <laughs> that, really means a lot to, that really means a lot to me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just seriously, I mean, I just, because I just know how much, I know how, Pat, first of all, I know you, I've known you for, for years, and mm-hmm. I I know how passionate you are about this, and I know how much this means to you. So to be able to see, you know, people like you that have something that they're so passionate about, especially something as important as this, like bringing mindfulness to executives and, and bringing, you know, these yoga tools and philosophies to these, these leaders. And you're working with like, you know, the top of the top leaders in the world that need this the most. So I think it's so incredible that there is somebody like you that's this passionate and this caring that's doing this for everyone. So thank you on behalf of the world. Oh my gosh! Well, that's really generous, and um, and thank you for reflecting that. And and I am passionate about it. And it's so such a trip to think back, yeah, three years ago about, or or maybe even a little bit more than that, three and a half years when we were we were in that incubator in that program of figuring out how it how it was that we wanted to be of service to the world using our yoga, using our our tools, and it's like that old adage, like all the pieces are there, all the answers are there inside of you, and and you just don't know at the time. I mean. I remember meditating in my 200-hour program and, and thinking, like, what is my purpose? What is my path? What am I doing with my life? Like, where am I going? And and it was causing me so much internal, like, suffering and angst because I just had this really deep desire to do something that felt both meaningful and authentic to me, but also, you know, of service and, and doing something that I felt like was, was yeah, just just doing something to, to help uh, help the world. It sounds so cheesy. Um yeah, and then to go through the 300 hour and to, it basically started with the seed of this idea, this book. I wanted to write a book called Executive Sutra Yoga Wisdom for Leaders and bring business tools to corporate America. And where that really came from is that 
when I worked for, for businesses, both big and small, you know, even nonprofits, not, not particularly businesses even, I just saw how much of each employee's experience at work was related to their experience of their manager. Mm-hmm. Like the person that they, the person that they worked for was like the most important thing for most people in their work, you know, were they getting the feedback that they needed to continue to improve and to feel like they had added value to the team? Were they given the space to be inspirational and to come up with new creative ideas and implement new things and come up with new services? Um, Could they connect with customers and clients and really build strong relationships? I just think a lot of our self-actualization comes through our work in the world and our creative projects in the world and our relationships at work. So that was always my favorite part of being a manager and, I started meditating and, and learning yoga over 10 years ago now at General Mills. There was like a little sign saying meditation and yoga for stress. And I thought, I need that. Like, I didn't even really know what, yeah, I didn't even really know what yoga was. <laughs> I uh, I didn't even know what yoga was. I didn't even really know what meditation was. I had started Pilates. That was like my gateway drug into yoga, I always say, like helped me find some mindful movement. Um, and yeah, I was in a really high pressure role, totally in over my head. I was 25 years old at the time, um, responsible for like millions and millions of cases of Nature Valley granola bars from getting oh. onto the shelf. Oh. And um and it was, yeah, it was just very interesting. I was traveling like every other week, going to all these factories and plants. And I, I went to this thing and, and I was late, like I was chronically late at that time and uh, slipped into the conference room. Everyone had their shoes off and they were sitting cross-legged on the floor and it was quiet. And I was like, oh, this is different. Like it just, it felt different in my body when I walked in that room. And I sat and I don't even remember what happened. I just knew that it like impacted me profoundly. And we did a few yoga poses like warrior two and some other things for focus. And I actually didn't even really like the yoga that much. I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm a runner. It kind of had an identity around something else, but I really liked the meditation and the mindfulness aspect. And luckily enough at General Mills, they gave free yoga classes twice a week. So I started going to those classes. And I still didn't even really like the yoga, but I liked the shavasana. I know, it's so funny. I like the shavasana, what we, what we resist, right? Yeah, that's right. I had so much ego. I remember doing half moon and being like, I hate this pose. I can't do it. This is stupid. I'm like the teacher's voice. So much negativity, um, which, is, which is just funny now. It's so great how we can unfold in different ways and... Yeah, to make a long story short, uh, that completely put me on this trajectory. And, and even when I was in business school, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to go be a yoga teacher and start my own business doing doing this. But I've, I've honestly never been more fulfilled. Like I had a, a moment last week where I thought, I am in love with, with my life, with especially my professional life. Like I feel like I'm doing exactly what I want and need to be mm-hmm. doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's so great. That's, and, and that whole process is just, it's so, it's so interesting to see the unfolding of, of that whole thing and to actually see, to see your own life go, I mean, to, to become congruent to where you feel Mm. at home is, is such a beautiful process. And, and I've myself, like I, I've experienced that sort of congruency in my, in my life too, but I think just Mm -hmm. the unfolding, right? Like kind of just seeing the slow evolution of of it all, I think is so, it's so great. And so like, obviously this is what helped prompt this, this new trajectory in your life by doing executive sutra and creating this, because you know, that like, this is something that people in, especially in, in that world, in the corporate world, world and the executive 
executive world, this is something that people need. You know, like mindfulness, mindfulness is no longer uh, considered a, a nice to have, like a kind of like, oh, this is nice mm-hmm. for people to do. It's a must have, right? So it's a way to keep uh, their brains healthy and to support self-regulation and to become a better decision maker to, you know, it, protect themselves from all the the toxic stress. And I know that you do a lot of work in this realm, you know, and you're always like, you know, posting different uh, techniques and exercises that people can do like seated or, you know, at their desk. And and I think that it's, again, it's, it's an incredible program. And I think that it, it should definitely continue to, to gain momentum because more people need it. But as far as like, you implementing this with people like how have you have you already begun to see an impact with the people that you work with Mm. that's a great question yeah i I definitely have seen shifts both in short amount of times you know i'll do an hour-long training i just did one last week at a startup in venice and there was 50 employees it's like really fun funky startup place hard even to find room for everyone to fit into and you know, employees afterwards were like, wow, I had no idea I was so stressed until I stopped and watched my breath for a few minutes. Or I had no idea that I was kind of living within this like little box, these little confines and, and how much better I feel when I can be more fluid and more creative and not attached to my phone. And, and just hearing those comments really, really inspires me because I think we think that we have to do big things like, well, I have to run a marathon or I have to go to yoga five times Mm -hmm. a week or I have to. And we set up these expectations for ourselves that are just really hard to live up to. And then we set those same expectations for other people and we can, I believe, kind of get caught in the cycle. And I'm sure you feel the same way as a coach that it's like that yoga sutra, you know, practice becomes firmly grounded when when done for a long time consistently and with in all earnest. You know, People in the corporate world might get a little bit turned off off by these types of tools or these types of philosophies or practices because they may not have the sort of context around the deeper meanings of yoga or meditation or mindfulness practice. So how do you navigate that with people in the executive world? I can be in charge of my own health, my own well-being. Yeah, that's a great question because there is a different level of appetite. Uh, To your point earlier, however, I do see that mindfulness is becoming such an accepted thing, and it's, it's an interesting word choice. I think when we say mindfulness, people have a greater receptivity to that. And when we say meditation, people think of that as like an activity and mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm not sure if I want to do that. So I love that mindfulness is kind of getting getting a foothold because you can be mindful at any point and, and I think it makes it makes a lot of sense to people in the business world. So the point of that is that I, I really try to pay attention to my language and use language in a way that people can understand what I'm talking about and that it's accessible. So I never talk about the chakras or the energy centers. I talk about the benefits that you get by being more creative, the benefits, you know, which is the second chakra. I talk about the benefits <laughs> you get by, by being more open, open-hearted, you know, right. fourth chakra, all those things. So, and, and, you know, in my eBooks, I, I go in a little more detail on that, but I think the key is just, is just being present with the person that you're talking to, like actually walking the walk of, 
of all the tools that we're talking about and being mindful of how that other person is reacting and then making conscious language choice to meet them where they are. That's, that's probably been the most impactful. And of course, there's people that are skeptical. And, and to be honest, I don't really try to convince them. What I do is like, hey, reach your arms up overhead for me and give a little stretch and take three full breaths and let's pause at the top of the inhale. And I do that with them for like two minutes while we're talking and they say, how do you feel? And they're like, I feel pretty good. How's your energy? Uh, I feel a little bit better. I feel more focused. Uh, maybe, you know, so I just kind of, I kind of try to do it through experience. And sometimes I do that and they say, I don't know, I don't feel any different. And I just say, okay, well, whatever, you know, I, I shared what I could and, and that's, that's just what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened or that's what didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. So just allowing people the space to, you know, like have their own experience, I guess. Well, it's just the way that you would teach a yoga class, right? With people coming in there, like Mm -hmm. at different um, levels of, of, you know, capabilities or certain restrictions and things. You just have to really meet people where they are and allow them the space and show them that it's okay to be where they are as opposed to like, you know, creating anxiety or stress and when they're put in a situation you know and they can't do something it's it's funny what you said uh just now about like meditation and mindfulness because i feel like meditation is another one of those things and i'm this is something that we can discuss because i know that you can speak to this but because meditation let's say i mean meditation is something that you are right it's part of you you know but but in in the larger context you know so that the listeners can understand, let's say meditation is something that you do, right? You're going to sit, you're going to practice, you're going to be still, you're going to listen to the sound of your breath. But I think that for some people, it's that concern like, oh, I'm not doing it right. Or um, I think too much. Or, you know, I, I want to make sure if I do this, I'm going to do it correctly. Um, and, and for a certain amount of time, you know, so, so then it becomes another kind of to do. And I'm interested as far as being in in the corporate world, like how how do how do we keep this from becoming another one of those things? Like I have to do this perfectly. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you bring a great point that I've been sitting with for a while, which is how do we not apply our same old neuroses and addiction <laughs> to perfection to our spiritual practice? You right. know, it's like does our spiritual practice exist to make our lives easier or do our lives and the challenges and the highs and the lows exist to really deepen our connection to ourselves and and our spirit? And I, I think it's the latter. I know for me, like all my life experiences are bringing me closer to the purest expression of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's a fine line. And, and for me, I can get very rigid and very attached to like needing to do things perfectly. So I rec- it depends on on my client. You know, I have certain coaching clients who just, they crave structure. They want structure. It makes them feel really grounded. And I provide them that structure with, you know, recommending or working with them on setting up a plan. But then there's other people who need um, a different approach, you know, and I think depending on the seasons of our lives, it's true too. I mentioned before, I'm going through a lot of transitions. So I'm, my practice looks different now. You know, it, I have a different sort of practice now. Um, some days I meditate 45 minutes, some days it's 10 minutes. It's less um, consistent in terms of length, but I mm-hmm. still make make time to sit every day. So to your, to your question about how do we make sure that we're not doing it perfectly, I try to give people a lot of space and I use a lot of metaphor. Like 
you know, meditation is just like getting your GPS. If your mind is like your GPS, it's just getting your GPS on track so that it's not recalculating all the time. It's just letting, you know, kind of the the random chatter kind of dissipate. But it doesn't mean that you don't think. You know, I think Gene Heilman in our 300-hour would always talk about that. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean your brain turns off. You just find more space between each thought. There's just a little more gentleness, a little more spaciousness. And for myself, and I think a lot of people I work with, there tends to be a lot of... Um, not restriction, but the corporate culture in general, I would say, leans to be more linear, more masculine, more disciplined, more restrictive, more uh, go, go, go. And so I try to put a lot of spaciousness and a lot of gentleness about um, the experience that you might have. And and it's okay to have thoughts and you don't have to be sitting cross-legged and you don't have to be, you know, on a mountaintop and you don't, it doesn't have to be anything. Like those are just, again, um, self-management projects, trying to manipulate our experience. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's so, so beautifully said. Exactly. I, I think it's absolutely what a lot of people need to hear. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think that a lot more people should, should become curious about, you know, how this practice might help evolve their, their life. So you mentioned that you're going through a lot of different transition uh, in your life. And as we all do, you know, we all have our, you know, peaks and, and valleys that, that we go through. How do you continue to maintain that discipline for, for yourself? Like to be able to sit and meditate, like, do you meditate a certain time? Like, do you do it in the morning? Do you do it at night? What does your practice look like when you're in transition? It's a great question. And I've, um, I've noticed a huge shift for me in the last few months, and it's actually for me not about discipline anymore, which which might be blasphemous. You know, you and other people might be like, "What?" I'm <laughs> but like, "What?" Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more about um, just really honestly, it's more about devotion. Like, it's more like, "Oh my God, I'm so excited." to be able to sit and yeah some days it's 10 minutes and some days it's in my car and some days it's just like stopping and looking outside for five minutes and watching my breath like I don't at this point have like a specific time in terms of length I don't have a specific time when I sit you know a lot of my clients now for coaching are on the east coast and so I'm having calls with them at 6 a.m. which has affected my own personal practice but it's almost like my dessert. It's like something I look forward to every day. And so I just make the time for it. Like uh, yesterday, it was 45 minutes and, and I was uh, doing that and then writing a poem afterwards. And sometimes it's a guided meditation. So I'm not saying that this is how everyone should do it, because I do think that when you start, it's very, very helpful to have a consistent practice. You just lay that foundation. And there are times in my life where where that's been just crucial for me, 20 minutes every morning, right when I get up. Um, right now, though, I'm experimenting with a little more permission, a little more playfulness, um, and coming coming to it from a more of an aspect of devotion and excitement that I'm nourishing myself. And I'm, I'm just trying to stay in my heart in terms of moment by moment, what do I need? So if that day I need an essential oil and I need a, you know, loving kindness meditation, then, then that's what I take. But it's causing me to... Um, like track myself more, like be mm-hmm. really, really aware of what do I need? And is this resistance? Am I just like resisting meditating? And I, I do have a little conversation with myself sometimes. I'm like, okay, Jess, you don't really need to go eat. Like, are you really hungry right now? No, you're just <laughs> avoiding sitting and meditating. So there's like a depth of, depth of honesty that I have to have with myself that honestly stirs up a lot of feelings of shame or guilt or unworthiness or I'm not deserving or I'm not good enough or, Mm. you know, like 
when I when I'm forcing myself to be this honest with myself moment by moment, like it's kind of a big kick in the ass sometimes because stuff comes up that that we don't want to look at. Like, you know, I can be narcissistic, I can be ego driven, I can be self serving, like all the all those things, and I can also be running away from myself. Um, so, yeah, it's been kind of like falling down a hole, but but kind of in that darkness, I've been able to to really get more in touch with what I really want and what's coming from my heart versus what's coming from my head. Yeah. And that's, that's what you're teaching in, in executive sutra as well is to, to, mm-hmm. ha- it's basically, it's, it's everything that you just said. It's, it's to be able to be in that place and, and still feel powerful and empowered, but, but leading with your heart and still tuning into that deep listening to really listen to, to what it is that you actually need and giving yourself that space. You know, I think it's, it's great Mm -hmm. that you're able to do that and that you practice that and that you're, you're teaching that you're putting that out there in the world. What sort of, um, what, what have you seen, especially now? Like, so I mean, look, we're constantly bombarded by information, technology, social media, work, and, you know, the the Mm -hmm. people that you work with, and just with us, you know, running, you know, our own businesses, essentially, right? It's like, there's just so much information um, happening. So how do you think what is what are the what are some tools that that we can do that that you can give us? in order to kind of stay grounded and, and kind of decipher through all that, like, information? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question, because I feel that too, you know, I get so many emails, and and it's it's not that I am trying to shut myself off from the world, because I actually want to read those things, like, I want to read those articles, I want to mm-hmm. see those TED Talks, like, it's, it's not from a lack of desire, but like you said, practically, like, how do we how do we focus and how do we know what it is that we want to work on? So one of the things that I do with my clients, which I believe is one of the videos on my website, and if not, I can send you the link. It might be a hidden hidden link. Um, fine motor movements actually help the brain to focus. It gives it gives the brain something like small to stay focused on, but then gives it also space to um, to kind of synthesize and process other things that are happening. So if you just put your hands on your thighs with your palms face up, and reach out through your fingers on your inhales. You're opening your palms. And then on the exhale, you bring your thumb and your first finger together and mm-hmm. kind of close that loop. And then you open. And you can just go finger by finger, like bringing the thumb to each finger, inhaling to open and exhaling to touch. Like, I have my clients do that in meetings. I have them say, like, well, put your hands on your lap underneath your, you know, underneath the table and just do this for a few minutes. It will bring you back to your breath, to your present moment, and really help you to get focused. So... I think when we're focused and when we're in the space of our heart, like I talked about earlier, it's easier to make those choices because we can sense what's resonating, what's true for us, and what's not. So so it makes it easier than when you're looking at email to say, wow, that looks like a great article. Truthfully, I'm only going to be reading that because I think it's something I should do to stay up in my industry, but I don't really want to read it. So maybe I should just let that go. Maybe I should just delete that. Uh, that's just a little example. Or I really want to read this email or respond to this thing, but truthfully, I don't have time. So instead of saying, oh, maybe let's talk about it, I say, no, actually, this doesn't fit for me. Can you check in in three months? Like, there's so many small little decisions we make moment by moment with our attention and our awareness that, if that yeah, just, just take a lot of energy to look at what our patterns are. Yeah, I think that's 
that's a really great practice to be able to just basically to like, like stay on your lane, <laughs> like stay mm-hmm. on your lane and just, yeah. you know, stay, stay on the course and don't deviate. So uh, another question to, to add to that is how do you, how do you stay on, on your path? Like, how do you stay in your lane when you're getting all of this information and, and you are in an industry where there's new studies coming out and there's new scientific evidence of how, you know, beneficial meditation is and, you know, how many people in the workplace really need this or, you know, there's these new yoga techniques that you can use and like just staying on top of it all. Like how, how, how do you stay in your lane, on your path, doing what you're doing without feeling like, wow, there's so much more information. Now I just want to add it all in. Hmm. Yeah. I, I find that that is a struggle for, for me and, and I think for everyone. I think that's where it comes back to like trust. Trusting trusting myself has been a huge journey for my life and, and responding to my own inner calling, my own inner compass versus what I should be doing or what might get me praise or what might, um, you know, make me feel better temporarily. And when I started my business, I had some pretty big plans about having an app. And, you know, I did a lot on social media in the first probably six to eight months of launching Executive Sutra. And in some ways, it was really just what I needed because I created a lot of content. I found my voice a little bit more and I got really grounded in the tools because I I was putting a lot of content, a lot of tools out there. Mm -hmm. But this fall, I started realizing that this kind of creating content for the sake of creating content didn't feel authentic for me. Like I had kind of tapped my well and found the bottom of my well and I needed to replenish it. So I haven't been doing much blogging and I haven't been doing, haven't been doing that much posting. <clears throat> and the ironic, ironic thing is the more that I've been focusing on just kind of like tending my own Shakti, like Joan Hyman would say, or, or Madhya Zradi, um, it's, it's so funny. Now I have clients showing up in my life that I haven't been seeking, you know, people that are kind of calling me through referral or through word of mouth. And I, I think that having that balance between putting things out there and accumulating new information, dissipating it out, synthesizing, you know, being being the microphone. Yeah. But then also also contrasting that with with taking that on time for self-care and for finding your own inner voices. It's just a delicate balance, and and I'm not saying I'm not going to go back to blogging and doing all those things, but I kind of I kind of basically said, what is the minimum required for the next little bit? You know, what's the minimum amount that I that I need to get done? So, to answer your question, staying on my path has been giving myself space to both create and then also take a break from creating and notice when I'm creating in a place that's inauthentic, which is just kind of keep the machine going, yeah. which is what I'm so against, which is what I'm so against, know. you know, within anything, <laughs> within media, within business, whatever, like, like, let's actually be mindful and not just like keep output, 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 consumer, consumer, consumer. So, um, I, I had to learn that on my own. I had to kind of practice that. So. I'm not, I'm trying to think if there's anything else coming up for me related to staying on my path. Oh, I do want to say, I do want to talk about something that is kind of tender for me to talk about, but I think has, has been part of my journey and maybe it'll be helpful for people listening and, and jealousy and competition. Oh, you know, yeah. that's something, something Let's within the yoga world. This. Yeah, I, I think we should, honestly, because it's, it's something within the yoga world, especially within social media. You know, I, I do, I, I see people post sometimes and I feel like, 
why am I not doing that? Like, oh my God, they're doing so many amazing things. And I can easily, I can easily go into a place that's, that's not healthy. It's, it's just not a place of creation. It's almost a place of destruction. And I have to really watch myself on social media. And it's, it almost always happens when I don't feel good about what I'm doing, either in my personal practice or in my life or in my business. And so there's definitely times where I just take a few days and I'm not on social media. I'm trying to come back to, to myself and what is it that I want to create and, and being okay with not being all things to all people and kind of on all the time. Um, and I think that relates to the corporate stuff too, because I think there's oftentimes a lot of competition, whether it's political competition within a company, whether it's, you know, our competitors and this kind of like beating everyone to the punch, this kind of, uh, like war, war, like yeah. mentality. Yeah. Um, so for me, just this, this practice of being more gentle, being uh, self-loving, uh, realizing that it's more important to create from the heart than to, like, keep up with everyone else is, is, is like a daily practice for me. But I would love to hear any tips that you have on that because I, I think that that is one of the easiest ways for me to get off course is to focus on what other people are doing. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we spoke to Katie Silcox, a very dear friend of mine. She's a New York Times bestseller. She wrote this amazing book called uh, Healthy, Happy, Sexy, and um, it's, you know, like the hip chick's guide to Ayurveda. She's an incredible, incredible cool. yogi. She's an incredible woman, teacher, leader. And we talked about this because I think it's it's one of those things. It's like social media allows us to have a voice and reach people. And I'm a big fan. You know me. I'm like, I love social media. I love to to post things and I love to see what my people are doing, you know, and, and mm -hmm. it's a, a really great way for me to stay connected. But yeah, I mean, talk about, you know, I, I, we were talking about like falling down the rabbit hole. Right. And so yeah. for me, I, I go through those moments of like the scrolling and the clicking and the clicking and the clicking. And then I have this, um, this talk that Rod, uh, yoga Rupa Rod Stryker, my teacher, you mm -hmm. know, and, and it echoes in my mind sometimes. And he says, you know, when you're scrolling, scrolling, clicking and clicking, he's like, you have to think about what destiny is not happening while you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Like what destiny is not happening because you're focusing on everyone else's, right? And so, and another thing yeah. that I think about too is another uh, mentor of mine. This is years ago and, and I, I'll never forget that he said this because it applies to so much in our lives is like when when you're looking at others successes or um you know all the things that they're doing with their lives or all the things that they have you're comparing all of their outsides to your insides and it's never going to mm. quite add up right <laughs> and it's so mm -hmm. true right so it's so true we can look at it when when we're doing that and we fall into the hole of like oh, you know, like, this is a really great idea. And oh, I really want to do that. Instead of like going from a place of like feeling inspired, you go into a place, especially when you're not in a good place in your life, when you start to feel like shit, you know, and it's just like, mm -hmm. okay, now, not only do I am I not happy with the way things are going, but now I feel even worse, because I feel like everyone else has it together. And I'm falling apart, mm -hmm. you know, but but I think it's yeah. something very natural. And, so, and it's something very real that happens. And I don't think that it's talked about enough. Um, and we see it with us, like in our world, we see it too. We see it in the yoga world all the time, you know, and it's like, I'm all about 
abundance and there is enough for everyone and I want to help yeah. build and that's one of the reasons why I started this this program this podcast is because I want to talk to like all the big leaders I want to talk to all the teachers and coaches and in authors and in artists and you know designers like I just want to talk to people in in the in this world to see how we can continue to create community and how we can continue to lift each other up and talk about the things that bother us and talk about mm-hmm. the things that knock us down and how do we come out of that you know and in emerge with with a more stronger sense of being Right. And I think it's important um, to be yeah. able yeah, and but to address those things and address those sort of like jealousies and feeling like, you know, a little envious of, you know, so and so going to like some really amazing conference and in, you know, you not whatever, you know, and it's like. <laughs> It's true, you know, like I want to be doing all of those things too. Like I want to be like traveling the world and like doing amazing things. Like yes, I do. And and I will, but but I'm also very realistic and like I know that I have a path and I trust it. So it so it goes back to what you were saying about devotion, mm-hmm. right? And to me, it's all about having that devotion and having faith that like things just work out things will work out for me the way that they're meant to work out. And I'm going to do the work. That doesn't mean I'm just going to be like, okay, just universe, take care of me. and It's all going to be okay. (laughs) You know, it's like, no, I know I have to wake up and I have to do the work. And I'm like, I love what I do. And, and to your point that you said earlier about really like having this romantic relationship with your career where you're just like, so in love with where you're at and, and I get that because I love what I do. I wake up every morning and I'm so grateful that, wow, I get to do this for a living. Like, you know, mm-hmm. a, a handful of years ago, I was not, you know, I was not doing mm-hmm. what I loved. And so I know the difference and I can be really grateful for that. So the moments that I start to feel that sort of nudge, I have to turn it off. It's like what you said, like, I have to take a break and be like, okay, I'm getting a little too wound up. I'm getting way too much information. I'm getting way too much, too many ideas. And it's that sort of um, the pumping out the content, right? It's like, okay, I got to make sure that I got to do this, 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 and this. And I got the newsletter I got to do. And I got this and I got to post and I've got to like call these people and I got to book this thing. And it's like, okay, hold on. What are you doing? (laughs) what What are you doing? What is, what is your intention here? And I really... I really have to be able to, to go back to that, you know, like what my, what is my purpose? What am I here to do? Is this serving? Like, how is this serving the greater good? And if it's not, and most of the time those things are not. And so I have to be Mm -hmm. able to just put them to bed and let them go and say, okay, like it's time to refocus. I got to regroup. I got to come back to ground zero, spend some time being quiet, turn the electronics off retreat grab a book take a beat or you know just netflix binge yeah (laughs) i i love what you said about intention and purpose i mean those are such powerful words and and i think sometimes we forget that like our purpose can be um so small but so great like i love that mother Teresa quote where she said we can do we can do no great things we can only do small things with great love and it kind of comes back i think to this moment by moment deepening awareness of what you need and and what you're offering and and where your energy is at because 
if I if I actually take the time, which to be honest, I do this very rarely. I wish I could say I did this every time, but if I actually looked at my Facebook only when I had an intention to uplift, support, communicate, that would be amazing. And typically, I check Facebook <laughs> like when I see a notification, you know. So it, it, I think it's helpful. Like I know I know that the few times where I've checked in with myself, okay, why am I going on this? And sometimes I've noticed because I'm bored or because I feel low and I want some validation. I want to feel important. How many people like my post, whatever, like just being totally honest, like that, that is not a good place to go into that space. It's like, just like in our practice, like if I set my intention before I actually checked it, it would really change my behavior. And the few times that I do that, it does change my behavior. And I'm able to kind of get out of that, um, get out of that much more quickly. But, but for the purpose thing, like a few years ago when I was kind of meditating a lot on, on what is my purpose, it came really clear to me, like, I don't know in terms of the external world what my purpose is, but I believe that my purpose is to facilitate and experience uh, unconditional love. So if, if on a moment-by-moment basis I can love myself unconditionally and facilitate that for others, I'm like, wow, like my life is, is, is worth it. It's, it's always worth it. But my life really has, has a resonance to it that makes me feel just divine. Mm. That's great. That's so great. Yeah, I'm so glad that, that we uh, we talked about this because I think it's one of the, I mean, I think it's definitely a continuous conversation that we should continue to have because it's important for us to be able to talk about it and for, for the listeners to consider, you know, all of those things, all of those things that take our energy and focus away, right? And and how, it, mm-hmm. and it's it's how to, how to be more purposeful and intentional with the things that we do and the things that we bring into our lives, you know, like... I, I really feel like the the other thing that kind of happens is we lose track of time, right? So it's mm. that thing like, oh, I never have enough time. I never have enough time to do everything. But we have a lot of time. If you really break down the things that you spend your time on doing, like I did this um, this uh, social media movement with a, a dear friend of mine, Morgan Day Cecil, started this this movement called "Just Be Here with Me," right? And so we yes, do you remember this? That. Yeah. So so yeah. we uh you know we shut off all the social media, everything, and we took a, everyone committed to like a month, two weeks, a week, a day, whatever. It didn't matter the commitment, but we we committed to a certain amount of time. I I personally did it for, I think it was two weeks. And the first two or three days, it was like going and look, and you know, I'm, you know, I do nutrition and stuff as well. And I'm a sugar addict. So it was like, when I first detoxed off the sugar, I was like, a fiend. I was like, Oh, I I didn't realize how much I reached for my phone. I mean, right? Like, even just to check the time, like how many times I would reach for that phone, and then I'd have to be like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh." I had to delete the apps off of my phone, which is fine. But like, I, you know, so the first three days, it was really bizarre. And like, I remember getting so much work done (laughs) because I was like, oh, "Oh, I'm so inspired and I have so much energy to like write and I have so much energy. I want to finish reading this book and, oh, I really want to go meet my friend for tea. And it's like even those little things, but we don't realize how much, you know, we, we decide, I want to say how much we waste our time on certain things, but it's like how, how we misallocate time <laughs> doing mm-hmm. things that aren't necessarily productive. So, so I'm sure we can, we can, yeah. we can talk about that all day long, but I do want to respect your time and, and I, I want to be able to have this conversation with you again. So I hope that you'll be on again. 
with us because I hope so. yeah, because I you're love that. yeah because you're amazing. Um, so just in closing, what inspires you? I think what inspires me the most is this moment-to-moment witnessing and unfolding. Uh, this idea that like the ecstasy of life and the latent potential and creativity of life is really in the moment. And I think a lot of the spiritual practices just come back to that, but staying in the moment and holding space for whatever comes up is beautiful to witness within myself and within other people. And for me, that's led me lately to a lot more uh, beauty, a lot more creativity, you know, Mm. seeing a flower bloom, you know, watching, seeing a rose or, or just watching a sunset, um, watching someone's presencing of emotion versus like thinking about what I'm going to do next or trying to kind of run away from that situation. And something you said earlier a moment ago about um, taking time for yourself and, and not being on social media, not being on electronics, how that gave you so much more time. Sorry, <laughs> there's traffic right now. Um, that, that almost sparked like a little bit of fear in me. Like when you have a few days that are completely unstructured and you're not on social media, you realize like, just how much energy and time you have and it's almost scary like what am I going to do with this this um sacred resource so yeah I think I'm inspired by by the moment by moment unfolding and then also by just coming back to myself with gentleness again and again because there's a tenderness that I didn't know that that I didn't know was possible Mm. wow that's great and one other question what do you Mm. radically love Mm, I love that question and I love your brand. Um, yeah, no, I really do. I, I mean, I shouldn't even call it a brand. It's like, you know, you, it's, it's your ethos. It's about that, that passion and that radical love. I think I radically love vulnerability. Like I radically love someone, someone expressing the truth of who they are and, and just standing in their space and not knowing how the other person is going to receive it. And, and so, yeah, I think I radically love that vulnerability, and, and that's, I think, why I'm so attracted to the arts is because there's a nakedness about sharing a poem or, or painting a painting, about just letting that energy move through you, that, um, yeah, that, that life force, and whether it's executive sutra or whether it's, you know, coaching or, or whether it's just having the courage to, like, speak your intuition, like, hey, I have a feeling that you might be going through something. How can I help? instead of just being focused on your own, you know, your own kind of goals. So, yeah. Mm. That's so great. What a great, what a great way to end the show. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Everyone, Jessica Schmidt, she is the author of The Energize Executive and The Creative Executive. You can download them on Amazon Prime or just Amazon.com. Is there anywhere else we can get Mm -hmm. your books? You can also get the PDF versions on my website, executivesutra.com, and that's also where, when you sign up for my newsletter, you can get access to all the different tools to help you be more creative and inspired and open-hearted and a bunch of other things at work and beyond. She's an amazing coach, she's an amazing writer, and she's just an amazing overall human being. So thank you so much for joining us. It's such a privilege and an honor, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rosie. I feel really blessed by you. And I hope that you keep this part in the podcast that that, uh, your listeners can hear 
just what a source of inspiration you are to me about a woman who's living her truth and her integrity and her power, but in a way that's very accepting and uh, and hopeful and inspiring to everyone. So I'm so grateful that you created this community, and I'm really excited to check out the other podcasts too because I know there's a there's just a great network of people that you're that you're touched in with. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Radically Loved Radio. For more information, you can go to radicallyloved.com. You can follow me on all the social media outlets, Instagram at Rosie Acosta, Twitter at Rosie Acosta, Love Radically on Facebook, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other things that I'm not mentioning, but I'm sure you will find them if you're looking for them. Thanks for listening.